Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. We have a better covenant upon better promises, and we have a better relationship with God. All these things we strive for and work for and hope for and pray for, we already have those things because Jesus gave it all to us. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today, I'm drawing towards the end of a teaching that I've been doing for four weeks on Elijah. And I've got this book entitled Lessons from Elijah. I've got it in English, Spanish. We also have this study guide that is the same material that's in the book, but it's just reformatted so that you can teach it in a Bible study or Sunday school class. And you will have these, uh, you know, radical statements like, uh, why did Elijah run away from Jezebel when he had been so strong, you know, with the king and all of his armies? And so it, you just ask the question and then you let them discuss it. There are no right and wrong answers. And then you read the scriptures that tell you what the answer is. And so it's kind of a self-discipling type of thing. And it's meant specifically to take these truths and just put it in a format that you can teach other people and disciple them. So. Anyway, this coming Friday will be my last day to offer that over our program, and I encourage you to please get these materials. They'll bless you. So as I've said throughout this entire teaching, I've learned things uh, at the expense of these people that are in the Bible. The Bible doesn't only record the good things that people do, but it re records all of their warts, all of their zits, their failures, everything that's bad about them. And the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that that was done so that we could learn from them. And I have learned great things at Elijah's benefit. I've learned about what to do that's good. 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18 are just an unbroken string of successes on Elijah's part where he obeyed God and saw awesome things happen. But then beginning with uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah fails big time. He had stood up to the king, to the armies of the king, to all the prophets of Baal, to the people. He had stood, and I mean was fearless, but then he just totally flip-flopped. In 24 hours, Jezebel, the queen, sent a note saying that she was going to kill him, and he ran in terror away from where God wanted him to be. He had caused the greatest revival in the history of the nation of Israel, and when all of these people were there ready to learn about God, the man that God had anointed to preach this revival was running the other way out of fear. And he got so discouraged, so condemned over this that he asked God to kill him. But praise God, the Lord did not forsake him. The Lord gave him a supernatural meal that enabled him to go in the strength of that one meal for 40 days and 40 nights. Then he appeared to him at Mount Horeb he gave him a chance to repent and to go back and to do what God called him to do. And Elijah failed in that too. He was just through. He just felt like it was over. He wanted out. And so finally, God spoke to him in an audible voice and told him to go do three things, to anoint Haziel to be king of Syria, to anoint Jehu to be king of Israel, and to anoint Elisha to take his place as prophet. And Elijah disobeyed two out of those three things that were spoken to him in an audible voice and only went and anointed his replacement because I believe basically that by this time, Elisha 
or excuse me, Elijah was just wanting to get out of the ministry. He just, he felt like he'd failed God and how could God ever restore him? And he was wanting out. So he went to anoint his replacement. And that's where we ended. I did give a little bit of things and, and I'm going to have to just summarize some of this because it would literally take uh, hours to read through all of these scriptures because uh, uh, in 1 Kings, beginning with chapter 20, it starts giving some stories about Ahab and some battles that he fought. It talks about how he dealt with Naboth and how he murdered his wife. Actually, was the one that uh, had Naboth, the owner of this vineyard, murdered so that uh, Ahab could come and take possession of it. And right, right as Ahab was walking through the vineyard, admiring this vineyard that he had gotten by murder, Elijah showed up and prophesied that the dogs would lick his blood in the very place where they spilt the blood of Naboth and that the dogs would eat Jezebel. And those things came to pass just exactly the way that he said. It was awesome. So even though Elijah kind of checked out in 1 Kings chapter 19, he did continue a relationship with the Lord. God used him to prophesy about Naboth to Ahab and prophesy the death of Ahab and his wife Jezebel, and those things came to pass. And then in 2 Kings, the son of Ahab and Jezebel was Ahaziah. And it says in uh, 2 Kings chapter 1 and in verse uh, 2, it says, And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in an upper chamber that was in Samaria, and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. Now again, remember that this was the son of Ahab and Jezebel. They were the kings of Israel. Ahab was there when this fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice, and the people, the entire nation, turned to God and said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Ahab knew about God, and he humbled himself to a degree. When um, Elijah prophesied that the dogs would lick his blood in the very place that they had spilled Naboth's blood, the Scripture goes on to say over there, I believe it's in chapter 21 of 1 Kings, that Ahab humbled himself when God pronounced this judgment on him. And because of that, God prolonged his life and gave him a few extra years because he did fear God to a degree. And this was his son. This man should have known better than all of this. He knew all of this history. It was very possible that he was alive. Matter of fact, I've read some commentaries and they believe that it was about eight years to 12, 15 years maximum in between the time that this fire fell in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 until Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind. And so for Ahaz to be the, Ahaziah to be the king here, that means that he had to be alive during the time that this duel with the prophets of Baal came. He was probably in his 20s or something like that at that time. So he knew about all of this stuff, but instead of going to inquire of the Lord about whether he'd be able to recover, he sent his messengers to the God of Ekron. And this says a lot. This shows that he was not a worshiper of God, and it probably reveals that he knew that his family, Ahab and Jezebel, and all of their descendants were cursed by God because they forsook uh, the covenant of God, and he was avoiding God because of what he knew 
uh, would probably be a negative prophecy over him. So anyway, his messengers went to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. And in verse 3, it says, But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Again, I could expound on this more, but, you know, God spoke this to Elijah. There is no indication that he knew about this. Matter of fact, probably Ahaziah was trying to hide this from Elijah because he did not want a judgment, a prophecy of judgment to be pronounced on him. So he probably hid this thing. This wasn't something that he just learned through natural means. The angel of the Lord spoke to him, and not only did he tell him what Ahaziah was doing, but then he told him to go up and meet these messengers. And so think about this. You know, this is back during a day that they didn't have the communication the way we do. He couldn't Google something and find out where these people were. God just supernaturally led him to these messengers that were going to Ekron to inquire of Beelzebub. And in verse 4, it says, Now therefore thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shall surely die. And Elijah departed. And when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why are you now turned back? And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us, and said unto us, Go turn again unto the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And he, talking about the king, Ahaziah, said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered, He was a hairy man and girt with the girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. So Ahaziah knew who Elijah was. He knew these prophecies. He knew that his father had been prophesied that he would die and that the dogs would lick his blood in that very place where he killed Naboth. And he knew that God had already prophesied the death of Jezebel and that the dogs were going to eat her and she would just be turned into dung laying out upon the ground. He was very familiar with God and he knew that Elijah was a prophet of God and he was trying to avoid him. And apparently, when he says, what kind of manner of man was he? They said he was a hairy man and girt about the loins with a leathern girdle. Apparently, Eli Elijah had quite a fashion statement. He was recognizable. I've had some people, uh, some commentaries that I've read about this, say that he, was a, he had this beard that was way down to his waist. I don't know how they come up with that, but... It's possible that that's true because somehow or another, being a hairy man, uh, you know, signified something about him. So anyway, he recognized by the description that these messengers gave that this was Elijah the Tishbite. And so in verse 9, it says, Then the king sent unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty, and he went up to him, and behold, he sat on the top of a hill, and he spake unto them, Thou man of God, the king has said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Man, this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. These people came out to arrest 
Elijah or at the very least take him into custody and bring him to the king so that the king could question him. And anyway, because of the potential threat to that, Elijah just responded and says, if I'm a true man of God, let fire fall from heaven. And I mean, fire fell out of heaven. This is very similar to 1 Kings chapter 18, where he prayed and the fire of God fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. You know, the only other times that something like this happened is when they dedicated the altar in Moses' day and they laid the wood on, in place and the sacrifice there. And then when Moses and Aaron prayed, fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And then when Solomon dedicated the temple, he also offered sacrifices. And it, during his prayer, fire fell from heaven and consumed that. And so though fire fell to consume a sacrifice and begin the worship in the tabernacle and in the temple. But outside of that, the only other times that fire ever fell from heaven as being directed by God is when Elijah had this uh, conflict with the prophets of Baal and then right here. And he just called fire out of heaven and it killed 51 men, a captain with 50 soldiers that were under him. And in verse 11, it says again, also he sent unto him another captain of 50 with his 50. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto them, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee in thy 50. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him in his 50. So this is the second time that it happened. Fire fell again and this time killed another 51 men, a total of 102 soldiers who were sent to apprehend Elijah. Man, again, you talk about lessons from Elijah. This says a lot about how that the power of God resides in us and that we can draw on the power of God for our own defense. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did that and they were delivered from the fiery furnace. Daniel was delivered from the lion's den. It doesn't always happen. I don't understand all the reasons for that. Matter of fact, over in Hebrews chapter 11, it says some people didn't accept deliverance that they might receive a better resurrection. There's a greater resurrection for those who are martyred than those for, for those who just die a natural death. But I don't understand all of the reasons, but certainly this shows you that the power of God is certainly available. And if God chose to, he could defend his people and uh, keep people from doing things to him. That's what happened here with Elijah. And so in verse 13, it says, he sent again a captain of the third 50 with his 50 and the uh, third captain of 50 went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these 50 thy servants be precious in thine eyes. Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burn up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, go down with him, be not afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him unto the king. So man, this was, this was smart on this captain's part to plead for this. This shows you the hardness of heart that Ahaziah had that he had fire come down and kill the first 51 men that he sent out and he just sent another and then fire came down and killed them and he sent another and I guess he would have sacrificed them too. 
YOU WOULD THINK THAT EVENTUALLY A PERSON WOULD SEE THAT, MAN, GOD IS ON ELIJAH'S SIDE AND I SHOULDN'T BE, uh, YOU KNOW, COMING AGAINST HIM LESS I SUFFER FOR IT. BUT HE JUST CONTINUED TO SEND HIS PEOPLE OUT, HARD-HEARTED. AND THERE'S A LESSON TO LEARN IN THIS AND THAT THERE ARE SOME PEOPLE THAT JUST DO NOT SEE THAT THE WAY THAT THEY'RE LIVING IS DESTROYING THEM AND DESTROYING OTHER PEOPLE AND THEY JUST PERSIST ON AND CONTINUE TO to DO THINGS. THERE'S PEOPLE THAT CONTINUE TO DO DRUGS AND ALCOHOL AND IMMORALITY AND ALL KINDS OF THINGS AND ALL OF THE STATISTICS ARE AGAINST THEM. I GUARANTEE YOU THEY ARE OPENING THEMSELVES UP TO ALL KINDS OF PROBLEMS JUST IN THE NATURAL. EVEN IF YOU DIDN'T CONSIDER THE SPIRITUAL REALM AND THE FACT THAT SATAN IS THE ONE THAT'S BEHIND THESE IMMORAL ACTS AND YOU'RE GIVING DIRECT PLACE TO THE DEVIL, EVEN IF YOU DIDN'T CONSIDER THAT, JUST IN THE NATURAL, PEOPLE THAT DO DRUGS, PEOPLE THAT DO ALCOHOL, uh, SEXUAL IMMORALITY, YOU'RE EXPOSING YOURSELF TO ALL OF THESE SEXUALLY TRANSMITTED DISEASES AND TO THE SHAME AND and, um, ON AND ON. EVEN WITHOUT THE SPIRITUAL ASPECT, PEOPLE OUGHT TO BE ABLE TO SEE THAT THE WAY THAT THEY'RE LIVING IS DESTROYING THEM AND DESTROYING OTHER PEOPLE, AND YET THEY JUST PERSIST IN IT. YOU SEE AHAZIAH DOING THIS EXACT SAME THING AND YOU WONDER HOW PEOPLE COULD DO THAT. I JUST HAPPENED TO HAVE A TEACHING ENTITLED HARDNESS OF HEART THAT WILL EXPLAIN WHAT A HARDENED HEART IS AND HOW IT JUST BASICALLY MAKES YOU SPIRITUALLY RETARDED. IT JUST TAKES AWAY YOUR ABILITY TO THINK PROPERLY. IT MAKES YOU WALK AROUND IN A FOG AND YOU JUST you just can't see what is obvious, what's right in front of your face. Well, this is exactly the way Ahaziah was, but praise God, this third captain finally pled for his life, and God told Elijah to go with him. And so um, it says in the verse 16, And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Forasmuch as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it not because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And so the Lord here made the fact that he was going to die. In other words, he could have recovered, but because he sought to demon spirits to try and find, get an answer to his inquiry instead of to God. God specifically said he was going to die. He could have lived if he would have humbled himself. And there's people watching this program that, you know, if you would take these things and if you would learn through these scriptural examples, God would extend your life. God would be merciful to you if you would just humble yourself and cry out to him and ask him for help. But man, if you harden your heart and just continue to do these things, it's not going to work out WELL. SO ANYWAY, GOD PROTECTED ELIJAH, AND IN VERSE 17 IT SAYS, SO HE DIED, TALKING ABOUT THE KING, AHAZIAH, ACCORDING TO THE WORD OF THE LORD, WHICH ELIJAH HAD SPOKEN, AND JEHORAM REIGNED IN HIS STEAD, AND THAT WAS HIS BROTHER, AND HIS BROTHER TOOK OVER THE KINGDOM. AND SO THIS IS THE SECOND TIME AFTER ELIJAH HAD FAILED BIG TIME IN 1 KINGS CHAPTER 19. HE RAN FROM THE REVIVAL THAT GOD HAD STARTED, BECAUSE OF HIS FEAR of, uh, OF JEZEBEL TAKING OUT VENGEANCE ON HIM. HE RAN, AND THEN HE uh, DIDN'T ANSWER GOD CORRECTLY WHEN GOD ASKED HIM WHY HE WAS THERE. GOD TOLD HIM THREE THINGS TO DO. HE FAILED TO DO TWO OUT OF THE THREE. HE, uh, he ANOINTED HIS REPLACEMENT AND BASICALLY SAID, GO DO WHATEVER YOU WANT TO. I DON'T CARE. I BELIEVE THAT ELIJAH WAS BASICALLY CHECKING OUT OF THE MINISTRY. HE JUST FELT LIKE HE HAD FAILED SO BADLY THAT HE COULDN'T BE USED. 
BUT AFTER THAT, HE DID RECOVER TO THE DEGREE THAT GOD SPOKE TO HIM ABOUT PROPHESYING TO AHAB HIS DEATH AND JEZEBEL'S DEATH. AND THEN THIS INSTANCE RIGHT HERE WHERE HE INTERCEPTED THESE MESSENGERS FROM AHAZIAH AND PRONOUNCED THIS JUDGMENT OVER THEM. THIS IS THE SECOND TIME THAT GOD USED HIM AFTER THIS TERRIBLE FAILURE THAT WAS RECORDED IN CHAPTER 19. SO I'VE SAID THIS BEFORE, BUT THIS IS ONE OF THE LESSONS THAT YOU LEARN FROM ELIJAH, AND THAT IS THAT EVEN THOUGH HE FAILED GOD BIG TIME, GOD DID NOT FAIL HIM. GOD USED HIM TO THE DEGREE THAT HE WOULD RESPOND TO THE LORD AND FOLLOW HIS LEADING. AND YOU KNOW, IN THE NEW TESTAMENT, IT SAYS IN ROMANS CHAPTER 11, VERSE 29, THAT THE GIFTS AND THE CALLINGS OF GOD ARE WITHOUT REPENTANCE. SO WHEN GOD GIVES A GIFT, HE WILL NEVER TAKE IT AWAY. YOU KNOW, I'M NOT GOING TO MENTION NAMES RIGHT HERE, BUT THERE IS A MAN WHO'S CURRENTLY STILL ON TELEVISION. AT ONE TIME, HE HAD THE LARGEST MINISTRY IN THE WORLD. AND I MEAN, HE WAS EVERYWHERE, AND GOD WAS USING HIM IN SOME GREAT WAYS, AND YET HE FELL INTO SOME SEXUAL SIN, AND BECAUSE OF IT, HE LOST NEARLY EVERYTHING HE HAD. I MEAN, TODAY, MY MINISTRY IS INFINITELY WELL, I DON'T KNOW INFINITELY IS THE RIGHT WAY, BUT IT'S MANY, MANY TIMES BIGGER THAN HIS MINISTRY. AT ONE TIME, HE HAD THE LARGEST MINISTRY IN THE WORLD, AND NOW IT'S JUST A FRACTION OF WHAT IT USED TO BE. BUT YOU KNOW WHAT? GOD IS STILL USING HIM BECAUSE THE GIFTS AND THE CALLINGS OF GOD ARE WITHOUT REPENTANCE. AND EVEN THOUGH HE FAILED GOD BIG TIME, I BELIEVE THAT GOD HAS FORGIVEN HIM AND THAT GOD WILL USE HIM TO THE DEGREE THAT HE WILL SUBMIT. BUT THE SAD FACT IS THAT ONCE YOU FAIL IN SOMETHING LIKE THAT, THE SELF-CONDEMNATION THAT COMES AGAINST YOU, IT HINDERS WHAT GOD CAN DO THROUGH YOU. IT'S NOT THAT GOD DOESN'T FORGIVE. IT'S THAT IT'S HARD SOMETIMES FOR US TO FORGIVE OURSELVES, AND IT'S HARD FOR OTHER PEOPLE TO FORGIVE US. SO ANYWAY, IF I WAS TO CALL THEIR NAME AND GIVE SPECIFICS, I THINK YOU COULD SEE THIS CLEARLY, BUT GOD DOESN'T WITHDRAW HIS ANOINTING. AND I'VE ACTUALLY HAD SOME PEOPLE SAY, YOU CAN'T TELL ME THAT GOD IS USING THAT MAN AFTER WHAT HE DID. WELL, I'M TELLING YOU, GOD HASN'T HAD ANYBODY WHO'S QUALIFIED <clears throat> TO TRULY REPRESENT HIM. GOD USES ALL OF US IN SPITE OF OUR FAILURES. I MAY NOT HAVE GONE OUT AND COMMITTED THE SEXUAL SINS AND DONE THE THINGS THAT THIS OTHER MAN HAS DONE, BUT I FAILED TO FOLLOW GOD. I AM NOT THE PERFECT EXAMPLE. GOD DOESN'T USE ME BECAUSE OF WHO I AM, BUT IN SPITE OF WHO I AM. AND YOU SEE THAT HERE WITH ELIJAH. THIS IS ONE OF THE GREAT LESSONS THAT I LEARNED FROM HIM, THAT GOD LOVES US, HIS GIFTS AND CALLINGS ARE WITHOUT REPENTANCE, AND GOD WAS STILL USING ELIJAH EVEN THOUGH HE HAD ONE OF THE GREATEST FAILURES IN THE BIBLE. YOU CAN SEE THE SAME THING WITH MOSES. MOSES KILLED A MAN THINKING THAT HE WAS BRINGING GOD'S WILL TO PASS, AND IT COST MOSES 40 YEARS IN THE WILDERNESS BECAUSE OF HIS OWN SELF-WILL AND HIS OWN HARD-HEADEDNESS. AND IT COST THE CHILDREN OF ISRAEL 30 YEARS EXTRA BONDAGE. AND SO IT TOTALLY MESSED UP. IT DELAYED THE PROMISES OF GOD. IN GENESIS CHAPTER 15, THE LORD PROPHESIED THAT THE CHILDREN OF ISRAEL WOULD BE IN A FOREIGN LAND AND OPPRESSED FOR 400 YEARS. AND IN EXODUS CHAPTER 12, VERSE 40, IT SAYS IT WAS 430 YEARS AFTER THAT PROPHECY THAT THEY CAME OUT. AND SO IT... IT WAS THE SAME THING WITH MOSES. MOSES MESSED UP AND DELAYED THE PROMISES OF GOD, AND YET LOOK HOW GOD USED HIM. AND DAVID, SAME THING. I TELL YOU, THERE ARE LESSONS TO LEARN THROUGH ALL OF THESE OLD TESTAMENT EXAMPLES. I ENCOURAGE YOU TO GET THIS BOOK. FRIDAY'S GOING TO BE MY LAST DAY TO MAKE ALL OF THESE PRODUCTS AVAILABLE. SO PLEASE LISTEN TO OUR ANNOUNCER AS HE GIVES YOU THE DETAILS 
and please call or write today. Andrew's complete series titled Lessons from Elijah is available in either a CD or DVD album, a book in either English or Spanish, or in a study guide. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. You can get these products as part of the Lessons Package, which includes two books, Lessons from Elijah and Lessons from David, and three albums in your choice of either CD or DVD, Lessons from Elijah, Lessons from David, and Lessons from Joseph. These teachings will give you the chance to learn from the successes and mistakes of three very powerful but very human men of God. The Lessons Package has a catalog value of $135, but you can receive all of these valuable resources today for just $95. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. Jamie and I are here just to thank you so much for being partners with us. We're very thankful for our partners and what they're doing, and you're going around the world too and everything that this Amen. ministry does. But we owe about $23 million on a parking garage. I've started what I call a 1K club. I was praying about this and the Lord just spoke to me that He was gonna be touching people's hearts that can give a one-time gift of $1,000. And in the next 10 months, I'm believing to get this parking garage totally paid off. What a blessing this place is. In the past, they had to park a quarter of a mile away and they had to be shuttled in and out. And it is just so convenient. This is awesome. In the winter, it's gonna even be better. So what we're gonna do either right here on this wall or possibly inside, I'm gonna have a wall where I put up the 1,000 club members so we just wanted to say a special thank you and uh, we love you and every good thing that is happening through this ministry, you're gonna share in every one of those rewards. So God bless you. Thank you for being a partner with us. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of April, Andrew will be hosting a special Easter season production titled God With Us in Woodland Park, Colorado. Also in April, Andrew will be back in Woodland Park to host the annual Karis Bible College Campus Days. Guest speakers at this event include Carrie Pickett, Daniel Bennett, Greg Moore, Rick McFarland, Wendell Parr, and Lawson Perdue. Then, Andrew will be joining Ashley and Carly Terradez in Colorado Springs, Colorado for the Abundant Life event. Next, Andrew will be speaking in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. And lastly, in April, he'll again be in Woodland Park to host the Don't Limit God Conference with guest speaker Jesse Duplantis. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. Have you checked out the inside story yet? 
It's a great way for you to get an inside look of what is happening at Andrew Womack Ministries. With over six years of interviews, there's a lot to get excited about. Check out this month's featured story today, only at awmi.net. Bring Karis with you wherever you go with our new Karis app. Free to download, the Karis app allows you to easily access everything Karis Bible College has to offer in one place. Receive exclusive Grace content and explore unique Karis features. Watch or listen to archived resources and teachings. Follow along with the Bible reading plan or listen to the audio Bible. The Karis app brings everything in one place. Download your app today.